Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Sons of Alaric. Sons of Alaric was formed in 2020. They have released their self-titled debut. This album is straightforward hard rock. Knock, knock. It's the Sons of Alaric kicking down your door. And here is my interview with the Sons of Alaric. Hello, Timothy. How you doing, my... Hey, Bob, I'm fine. How are you? Doing great. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. It's my pleasure. And congratulations on the album. How did the online collaboration form? We uh, originally met on an online collaboration, music collaboration website. And uh, I think the original premise was we were, it was like a Deep Purple style song, which was uploaded by the drummer. And he was looking other musicians to get involved with the uh, project. Um, I laid down the guitars for it and then John, our bass player, laid down the bass and then I think Jeff came in right at the end and laid down the vocals and uh, we ended up finishing that song and uh, it just worked out so well that we decided we had some you know, other ideas so why don't we try and do some more songs together and we did, we ended up with this album coming out and uh, that's how the Sons of Alaric project actually got started. Is it safe to say that all members of the band are, are fans and influenced by Deep Purple? Yeah, I mean, I think as a guitar player, you kind of have to be. Um, like Richie Blackmore kind of just taped away for like rock guitar. I mean, I couldn't speak for the rest of the band. Um, but I think that, yeah, like Jeff as well, he has more of like a rock vocal sound. So, yeah, I would say that we're definitely very influenced. I wanted to ask you about the song Torn in Two. My soul is torn in two. Your voice, it heals. Was it created acoustically first? Yeah, that's a good question because we, we like, yeah, we put the acoustic version on the end of the album. So you would think that maybe the acoustic version came first. But actually, um, no, that song was written on piano uh, first. Um, that like kind of interesting melody at the start, which is on a music box, was originally written on the piano as just a nice little piece of music. And then that kind of turned into the main chorus of the song, the hook. And then the verses were kind of written around that and the other little sections and the guitar solo. When uh, I write music, it's like I'm always trying to make sure that at the heart of the music, no matter how crazy it is or how much is going on with different keyboards and synthesizer sounds. Try and make sure that at the heart of the song, there's just a really good song there that you could be sat around a campfire with like an acoustic guitar and you could still play it and it would sound good. So I think all of our songs would work well acoustically. Um, the only reason we chose that one was because it sounded good. So we thought we'd put it on the album. Another song I wanted to ask you about is Amazed by You. Is it lyrically based on a personal relationship? Yeah, um, unfortunately, I, I don't know because uh, I don't really write the lyrics. Um, Jeff, our vocalist, writes all the lyrics, so he knows about all that stuff a lot more than me. Hopefully, we'll have another chance to talk and you can ask Jeff about, about the lyrics. And 
And I wanted to know if you could speak of the album's artwork. It's mean and representation. The artwork was done by Kathy uh, Medvigi, who's uh, an artist over here in Japan. She's originally from the States, and uh, she's a really good artist. Um, and she did the artwork to my last solo album, um, I Like Behind the Eyes. The album artwork isn't much related to thing that we came up with. We just gave her some of our songs and asked her to draw a picture of something that she felt represented what she heard in the songs. I think Jeff also gave her the lyrics to some of the songs. It could have even been Torn in Two and Edge of Eternity or something. And she came up with that artwork. And uh, we just thought it kind of worked really well with the songs and the music's quite dark and it's a very dark uh, album jacket. So it was basically her design. I wanted to ask you, if you had to pick your favorite track on the album, what would it be and why? So it's kind of funny because a lot of these songs were written before this band formed um, because I was originally writing music for other bands. And then when, once COVID happened, a lot of those bands broke up. So I ended up with no touring and also with a load of songs that were planned to be on other bands' albums. And I had nothing to do with the songs. And a lot of people said to me, like, oh, well, they're really good songs. You should just look for other people to do the songs with. Um, and so a lot of those songs were written way before this project actually started. And then we chose them to put on the album. And obviously, Jeff, Chris and John have such unique ways of doing what they do the, the songs kind of changed from how they were originally so it's kind of hard for me to say because i still have older ideas of like what the songs would have been and what they are actually and even like if you were to check the hard drive on my there's probably about like five or six different versions of each of those songs but if i had to choose one uh, a night to remember is one of the songs that came together really easily jeff did the vocal line on that and uh, his vocal line that he came up with was pretty much already what I had in my head for the vocal line anyway. And that speaks uh, to the chemistry between you as well. From what areas is everyone from that's in the band since you all collaborate online? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I was born in the UK. I was born in Yorkshire, England, and I now live in Osaka in Japan. Chris, our drummer, is in Canada. John, a bass player, is in Spain. And Jeff, our singer, he's in the States. Considering um, everyone's locale, is it safe to say that this uh, band will remain a project and not a uh, touring outfit? I'd love to tour with this band. I really would. Um, the songs are, are great in that they work live really well. Like, And also, Chris, John, and Jeff are, uh, are really good players. I don't think any of us would class ourselves as as recording musicians or, or performing musicians, we do both. Um, Jeff has has other bands that he plays with live. Uh, John too. I'd love for it to become like a touring band, but the problem is just uh, COVID right now is so bad that to book a tour, I don't even know if it would end up going ahead. Right now, our focus is on on we're going to try and do another album and single. And then possibly after that, we would have enough material to maybe do a tour. But again, it's difficult to say. 
I wanted to ask you, what was the best advice you've been given along the way in your musical career? I don't know if it's so much advice, but I think um, I used to care a lot about everything in that if something wasn't perfect, I didn't want to put it out. If something wasn't exactly the way I wanted it, uh, I didn't want to release it. And so I would spend months on just one part of a song trying to get it to sound exactly what it sounds like in my head and then one of the really good things about when i started working with this band was that everyone's so far away that if i wanted to get for example a drum recording for a song it's not just a case of like calling up the drummer on the phone and saying let's go into the studio and record something i've got to send the songs to him we have like an email correspondence so we might have like a webcam meeting and talk about the song and and then he will set up his drum kit and obviously with the time difference as well, you know, that's hard to do because I can't be there while he's recording. So I'm really lucky to be working with guys like Chris and John and Jeff because they tend to get it first time. But the one thing that that's really taught me is just that when someone plays something that maybe wasn't exactly how you heard it, if you just give it time and listen to it, it can actually start to grow on you. And it, it isn't that what you thought you had originally was better it's just that that's what you used to and i think it's kind of like a good analogy would also be like if you go to work a certain way every day and then someone tells you there's a cheaper way but you still go the other way because you know that way and you feel safe going that way and actually you know it's worth trying out new things because at the end of the day it's not really advice but it's definitely was a huge learning curve for me and i wanted to know what artists inspired you to pick up the guitar when I started playing the guitar, I was in high school and I literally started playing the guitar just to get out of going to class because um, I remember I was in like my first year of high school. There was a punk band playing at lunchtime. I went to go and see them. They had like their neckties. In the UK, we have to wear school uniform. So we have to wear like a jacket and like a necktie and it's ridiculous. But I remember seeing them and like they had like their neckties around their heads and they were like jumping around. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, the teachers are going to be so angry. And then I remember looking at the back of the room and the teachers were like clapping and really enjoying it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what I have to do because I don't like wearing this necktie anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of decided I went home and I remember telling my mother, I was like, I want a guitar. She bought me a guitar and, and I, uh, I started playing guitar just because it was a great way to get out of class and not have to wear stupid school uniforms. Um, but then I kind of became quite serious about it quite quick. And uh, the first music I got into was like a lot of punk music, uh, some Motown music, because my mother really loved Motown and soul music and R&B music. Uh, and then I got into rock, and metal. There's so many artists um, that I, I don't think I could really pin it down. But if I had to enlist maybe some of my favorite guitar players, um, Alan Holdsworth is my favorite guitar player of all time. His guitar playing is even now is just unfathomable. Also, Eric Johnson, American guitar player. Um, he's also has just the most amazing tone. And then if I had to name someone else, I'd say, well, maybe not a guitar player, but maybe like Charlie Parker, who's a saxophone player. I really mm. love him too. He's a jazz bebop saxophone player. Um, but, you know, I listen to a lot of music and try and put all those influence into the music that we make and i'm not saying that sons of Alaric sounds anything like charlie parker it's probably <laughs> the furthest thing you can get away from it but there is influence in there believe it or not from 
all of those eyes. So yeah, I'd say those three eyes, uh, three of the people I really like. If you could pick your proudest moment as a musician, what would it be? I moved to Japan um, straight out of university. I, it wasn't a case of coming over here and just working as a professional musician because even in my own, own country, it's hard enough to find jobs as a musician. I kind of did a lot of other jobs and then I entered a guitar contest over here called Guitar Tornado. Um, and I think it was actually the first year of the contest. And I actually didn't enter the contest with any, I didn't want to win at all or even compete. It's just that at the time I was living in a small apartment and it was so small and crowded. And I had people on either side of me with walls that were like made of paper. So I couldn't play through a guitar ramp. It was just that I knew that the venue, the live house where the contest was held, they had loads of guitar ramps. It was like, my friend was like, well, you should go because it's a good excuse to play through a big martial amp for a change instead of just sitting in your, your tiny little room playing through it, you know, with no amp. So I just went along to literally go and play through a nice amp with some nice gear. Um, and I ended up uh, getting through to the finals in that. And um, we had to play uh, a cover tune from a list of cover songs. And, and I chose to play uh, two Jeff Beck tunes. And uh, and yeah, and, and then ended up winning that contest because I never even planned to, I, like I said, I really am not into competition. I, I, I really don't like competition. That was a really, really big thing for me to to win that and a lot of opportunities came from that so that was probably one of my proudest moments i also wanted to ask you uh speaking of guitar and being from where you where you uh your upbringing was how did people uh take david gilmore's style of playing over in england yeah you know like i think he's kind of like almost like a, a national treasure i mean we have we have a lot of really good guitar players from the UK. I obviously I don't live in the UK and I haven't been mm. back to the UK in, in over in over 10 years. Um, and I'm not a big fan of or at least I wasn't originally a big fan of British music or British guitar players. Part of the reason why I left was because even when I was just a little kid, I was more into like American music. Um, I would like stay up really late and watch ice hockey when all my friends were watching soccer and you know, football. <laughs> and they would be like, well, why are you watching that? Um, but it was just because it was kind of exotic to me. It wasn't until I moved over here, and I must have been here like five years, that I kind of went back to listening to the British stuff because it was new again, because I kind of escaped it. You know, I'd, I'd right. gone away from it, and I could look back at it and then see how good it was because I wasn't entrapped with it. I think when there's so many people around you listening to it and saying, oh, this is great, this is great, it's easy to just be like, oh, well, I don't want to follow the crowd. But once I could get out of that and look back at it, I, uh, I could really enjoy it. And uh, I think that's probably part of the reason why I did that Deep Purple thing. It's because Richie Blackmore, I, I never really listened to him in the UK. It wasn't until I came over here and I started listening to him and, and, and really enjoyed it and... Yeah, but like, like I think all of those those guitarists, like David Gilmour and Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton, are kind of the the gods of guitar. The the worry now, I think, is that I meet quite a few musicians and guitarists who haven't actually heard them before because they're growing up with YouTube and 
the guitarists that they're listening to were influenced by guitarists that were influenced by David Gilmour and people like that. Um, and I'm kind of a little bit guilty of that myself because I grew up with like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani, who are great guitar players, who were, and they were influenced by Brian May and all of those guys. But unfortunately, I kind of got it secondhand because I was, you know, I was, they would say, oh, I really respect this guy. And I would respect the guy who said that. Right. So I think that they made such good music. And like even like a band like Pink Floyd, such a good band that I, I don't think that they'll ever die out. You know, I think that it's always going to be there, and it might disappear a while with a generation. But people have access to so much music now, and they can find stuff so easily that you know sooner or later someone's going to find it. And you know that music will never get old. You know, it will never sound bad. Um, that Beatles documentary just came out, and it's like. Right. I know loads of people who are younger than me, who work with me, who are in their 20s, who are talking about that documentary. I don't think that that kind of music's ever going to die. Also wanted to ask you, what is the best way to get merchandise from the band? So right now we're, uh, we're kind of in the process of just trying to get our whole kind of thing together in terms of uh, the music distribution, merchandise distribution, um, also even information on the band. In fact, we were just talking about this. We kind of, we're still unsure as if to whether we made a big mistake in calling our band Sons of Alaric because Son of Alaric is a, is a kind of, it's not like super famous, but it's a kind of well-known song, a Deep Purple. Um, yes. And the reason we called our band Sons of Alaric is obviously kind of a respectful nod to, to Deep Purple. But at the same time, it means that a lot of people who want to, like you say, find merchandise and stuff from us end up having to roll through pages of Deep Purple stuff to get to us. Um, but I think that, that it will get easier over time. Um, I think if you find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, I think if you search us on there we'll probably come up you might have to scroll through a lot of covers of people playing son of Alaric on guitar and bass to get to it eventually i think by the time this interview goes out hopefully it should be easier to search and it'll get easier over time so yeah just i think stay tuned and and keep looking and that stuff will come up soon And lastly, I wanted to ask you if you could give any message to your fans, what would that message be? Well, I can't speak on, on behalf of Jeff, uh, Chris, and John, uh, but all I can say is uh, thank you for supporting. It's been really hard recently with the COVID because obviously I haven't any shows. And me personally, I, I haven't been able to play a show in almost over a year maybe even almost two years I haven't played live. Um, so I think the one thing I would just say to everyone is thank you so much for continuing to support us and support me, even though um, there's maybe not as much movement as what there normally would be without all this COVID stuff. I think that's a really important thing to, to, uh, to remember. Also to continue to support what we do. The most important thing is that people hear what we what we do and the music that we write, um, the videos that we make. Um, 
I mean, I don't, as again, again, I can't speak for Jeff, John and Chris, but I don't think I would do it. Um, I think I would do something else like make sandwiches or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just thank you for supporting and continue to support us. And even as dark as it gets, and it seems like maybe there's going to be no more shows, uh, just continue to hold in there because I'm, I'm confident that everything's going to turn around. And like you said earlier, um, like I said, John, John's in Spain. Uh, Chris is in Canada and Jess in the US. So we, we have all those places that we can go to. So the more support we get, the more chance we have of uh, getting something inside where we can get over to those places. Well, Tim, I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, Bob, um, I want to thank you too for reaching out and uh, for uh, enjoying the CD and and also I want to thank you for all your wonderful interviews that you've got. Um, I've been really enjoying going through your interviews on my uh, various train journeys around Japan and uh, keeping me very, very interested. So thank you, Bob. Well, please feel free to update me at any time on any new news that comes about. And I hope we can talk together again real soon and we can talk with the whole band. All right, take care, my friend. You have a great rest of your day. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.